There's been a bill on the table for 20 years to allow adult adoptees to gain access to their records and have those those records not be sealed by the court. Hello, you are listening to NPE Stories. This is a podcast where NPEs can share their story. I am your host, Lily, and I found out I was an NPE through an ancestry DNA test that changed my life forever. NPE is a term that stands for not parent expected or non-paternal event. This means that one or more of our parents are not who we believe them to be. NPE Stories is a podcast where NPEs can share their story of what their original family was like, how they found out they were an NPE, and what their journey has been like since the day they found out. Welcome to episode 79. Lately, I've been feeling a little emotional and protective towards NPEs and others like me. NPEs, adoptees, and donor-conceived people who are finding out their true biology later in life. I get so much out of listening and reading what others are going through. I often feel frustrated when people are rejected by their biological families, and I feel happy when they are treated with warmth and compassion. There is no one right or wrong way to experience what we have gone through, and we are going to listen to a story now. Today, I am speaking with Michael. Hi, Michael. Hello. Thank you, Lily, for having me on. I really appreciate this. I'm so glad to be speaking to you in person because I have been reading your book and I feel like I know you, even though today is the first time I'm actually speaking to you. Well, that's that's good to hear. I guess I should start by saying um, what your book is. Do you do you want to introduce your book and and a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, my name is Michael Blair, and I am an MPE. Um, I have found out that I was an MP when I was 12 um, by accident and on my own. Uh, so my through our journey, um, this, this has been a long journey that not only I've been on, but my family and my, my uh, wife, and we just started to document everything as we went on this journey, and we rolled it all into a book called I had my underwear on the entire time. Which is hilarious, the story behind that, by, by the way, and absurd. Um, yes. And that's something you probably have to read the book for, for that story. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm here to plug books. So oh. let's... <laughs> so how this works is uh, normally I have people share their story from the beginning and as much as you'd like to share today, I, I'd like to hear. Um, so if you could, tell me a little bit about your original family and what your childhood was like. Sure. Um, I was born in 1972 and grew up with my mom and my grandparents for the few first years. Um, my mother, when I was about five, um, had met a man and they formed a relationship and got married. I have no recollection of not having uh, my birth certificate 
bad in the picture. Um, so I, I can't remember a time without him being there. Um, we moved to a suburb of Des Moines, Iowa, and we're, you know, I grew up in a small town and it was great. It was fantastic. And, you know, it wasn't, uh, we didn't have a lot, but that we, we never went without food. We never went without clothes. So it was, you know, it was good. That being said, there was, you know, there were some weird things that happened. So, you know, family gatherings, I, I get side-eyed by people. You know, I was just treated a little bit differently than my siblings. I have two younger sisters um, who were both by my uh, mom and dad. I'm, I'm about five years older than my youngest sister and six years younger or older than my, my youngest sister. So, um, yeah, they were, they were, uh, completely different than me. Um, they were small, petite, beautiful girls. Um, and I was, I was not, I was the exact opposite. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm about six foot and I think they top out at about, you know, five, two. So <laughs> both of my parents are, are very small people and I stuck out like a sore thumb. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, um, people knew things that I didn't know and it was, you know, I always felt like an outlier during, during, uh, you know, while I was growing up and it wasn't until I was about 12 years old, it was Memorial day. Um, we went to visit the graves of, or my, my dad's parents and he was looking at the, the tombstone he goes, Oh, you know, he died in 1973. That was, uh, that was the year before, or that was the year that, uh, he met my mom. So originally, uh, so it, it, he was like, Oh, you know, this is, you know, we, we met 1973. I sure wish, uh, you and Mikey could have uh, met him. Um, and I was just like, wait, what? And, you know, cause I was, <laughs> I knew I was born before that. Um, but it was, you know, how do you bring that up to a parent? I mean, I thought maybe he misspoke or I didn't hear it right. Um, so I, you know, just, uh, I always thought that was a little strange. Um, one day I went through, uh, my parents were gone. And I was left uh, at home and I started to go through some of their paperwork. And I found my birth certificate, which was very strange. It, it was not a typical birth certificate. I found my sister's birth certificates in there too, and they were completely different. Um, so mine was not an amended birth certificate. It was a delayed certificate of birth. Um, so that was another clue that something was a little off with me. Um, but what does upon- that mean? A delayed birth certificate or however you said that? Yeah, a delayed certificate of birth. That's what it's called. So essentially what it is, is it lists my birth mother as my mom. And then under birth father, there are three lines. The first two are blank with different dates listed. And the last one has my dad's name on it seven years after I was born. Hmm. So it's it's due to to the adoption. So if you're an uh, if you're adopted in Iowa, 
you you can I think I, what happens is the original birth certificate gets sealed by the courts and it can't be touched. Um, and so a delayed certificate of birth is is created with the adoptive parent's name on there. Okay. So, yeah, it was it was it's strange and it's weird and it's it's um, been kind of a pain in the ass my entire life. Uh, I, I've uh, went to get jobs and people don't think it's a real birth certificate, so they have to. Um, you know, before getting hired, they would have to do a background check. You know, this is like when I was 14 years old and applying to work at a grocery store. So, and fast food places, they, they were like, oh, wait, we can't hire you. This is, you, you don't look like you are um, a legal person. So mm-hmm. that's, that's always been a weird thing. Um, so I, I did ask my, my parents about it. Um, and they, they just said, oh yeah, we were moving and we lost your original birth certificate. So we just had to get a new one, and that's why it says that. So, uh, got yeah, it. yeah. So it just it started off, you know, not not with the uh, the honesty it should have. You know, thinking back now, I should have expanded upon that question <laughs> and and asked some more um, deeper things, but that didn't happen. Um, so yeah, it was uh, from I was from when I was twelve to eighteen, so six years. Every person I saw on the street, every man, I would think, "Oh, are you my dad? You know, you kind of look like me. Um, I could be your, I could be your kid." Um, so that was that was kind of strange uh, going through that experience. When I was eighteen, uh, I was it was during the summer after I graduated high school. Um, I didn't have a job. I was just lounging on the the sofa. My mom was vacuuming. She shut off the vacuum. And just said, hey, Steve is not your real dad. And I just said, yeah, I know. And it was awkward and weird. And she didn't say anything else and just turned the vacuum on and started <laughs> vacuuming again. So, um, so yeah, I was just left with a bunch of questions that, that again, it was, it was super awkward to kind of bring up as, you know, like an 18 year old. Um, and it really did put a strain on our, on our relationship, not just from that point, but even before. So like when I was 12 up until I was 18, it was, it was very awkward and strange with my parents. Yeah. Once I found out, you know, it was like, okay, finally, I, I do have some answers. It's confirmed. Um, I'm just going to let it go. Well, I, you know, after a while you start thinking about it and you just get angry and you're like, okay, what, who, who is my father? Where do I come from? Um, who am I? So I had all those big questions and it wasn't until I met Amy, my wife, and I was, I was 19. She was 20. Um, and she, you know, I was bringing this up to her and she was like, well, why don't you go back and ask your mom, you know, what's, what's going on? So I did, and I approached her, and she explained to me that uh, you know she, she was walking down the street one day when she was seventeen, and uh, um, she was she uh, a guy on a motorcycle pulled up and said, "Hey, you look cute," and they they kind of hooked up. She and I was like, "Okay, what was his name?" 
and she could not remember. She couldn't remember his name. Um, she still, to this day, can't remember his name, <laughs> even though we've been over and over this. Um, so she totally, I think she just totally blocked it out of her memory. Um, and she, uh, she got pregnant and my grandparents were, um, I don't think that that great to her, you know, during that time. So this is, you know, early seventies. It was, it was very shameful. So I, she had to drop out of high school, pretty much have me and it started to raise me. Um, and my grandparents did not treat them or treat her well. Um, they spoiled me to death, which, which I'm grateful for. And I was very, very close to them. Yeah, I, they, they kind of always shamed my mom for, for having me. And also, interestingly, this was like six months before, I think, Roe versus Wade got passed. So um, mm. I, I could not be aborted <laughs> mm-hmm. type of thing. Um, which, you know, that's, that's kind of really trippy to think about too. So yeah, fast forward again to when I was, when I was 18 or 19 and I met my wife, my future wife at the time, um, went and talked to my mom and she just, uh, yeah, she just kind of gave me this, the story with, with no answers, no real answers. She's, she's like, yeah, I can't remember his name. Oh wait, his name is John Smith. And I was like, okay, come on. <laughs> I'm not that stupid. Um, uh, but she's like, no, really, is you know, I this is this is what happened. And I was like, okay, you're you're just feeding me a line, and you're you're trying to protect something, somebody or something. I, I didn't know what was going on. So again, I just got angry, and I, I approached her maybe a year later and asked her about it, and she broke down and she freaked out. She did not want to talk about this. She asked me never to bring it up again, um, that she doesn't know anything. And I just kind of magically appeared one day. So, yeah, so it just kind of uh, just stewed for many years. And, you know, during that time, I have tried to find this guy. Um, I went to the hospital, pulled my medical records. They would give them back to me, all sharpied out with, uh, things about my birth. So it was a lot of things were redacted and I, I couldn't find answers that way. I went to the court um, and asked for my original birth certificate. It's sealed and they would just give me a copy of my delayed birth certificate again. I, I have, uh, and I would try different names. I would try to scam them and say, oh, well, I've been, I've been known under these, these two names. So I would try and switch that up, but nothing ever changed. And I would just get this, uh, get the runaround. Yeah. And then uh, it was looking into um, some private investigators and they were like, we don't have anything to go on. Um, we, we can't find any record of anything. So it was, it was very frustrating for a long, long time. And it was, it was just really uh, painful and to go through this for, for so many years and be angry for so many years. And I think that's where a lot of points where I differ from a typical NPE is, you know, I've known for so many years and I've been through that anger. Um, and that's, you know, what I hear a lot from, you know, newly 
found NPEs that, uh, you know, they're, I just feel so bad, you know, they're going through all this, this anger. Um, and, and I've been there, but I've, I'm used to it now. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, um, yeah, it's, it's just kind of everyday life and you just move on. Um, so it wasn't until I did the, the ancestry DNA in 2016 and got my results back partially. I wanted to know, you know, who I was, what, you know, what made up my, um, my ethnicity and, and just uh, to see kind of who I, partially who I was, there was a lot of, uh, a lot of German and a lot of English. So, and I always thought I was Italian. Um, I love pizza. So I, 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 <laughs> I just thought, uh, Oh, okay. This, this, I, I don't know anything about myself. So, um, did that got the uh, results back and luckily enough, I matched with a woman um, in Seattle, and sh- we shared um, 1,917 centimorgans. Had no idea what that meant, so had wow. to do some research. <laughs> I think every NPE has to become a- an expert genealogist in a very short amount of time. We just did a lot of crash courses on YouTube, and we figured out who this woman was and where she lived and just stalked the crap out of her for a couple weeks and look, trying to look through anything that she had. It's that that pivotal moment where you have to make a decision. Do I contact this person or do I just let it go? Um, and that was a hard decision to make because I knew once I started this journey that it was going to be a long and difficult one. But I did it. And I wrote a, wrote a letter to her and she didn't respond for like a few weeks. And I was just getting, getting uh, kind of uh, discouraged by that time. I think it was what, three, four weeks. Um, she finally returned a message and said, yes, I would let, I would love to talk to you. Um, so that was, the, that was the next uh, big step was okay. You know, you're sweating bullets and you're just so anxious to talk to this person that, you you know, that is related to you by kind of a lot. Um, since then, my, my one of my half-sisters have taken ancestries and I share more DNA with this biological aunt than I do with my half-sister, which is hmm. super weird. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes. Yeah, so, we, I called her up and we ended up talking for like four hours. Everything clicked. Um, it was instant family. So it was super creepy and <laughs> amazing at the same time. Um, she is, uh, she was a, a public school teacher for her entire life. I'm a professor. Her husband uh, was a, an instructor. Um, my cousin, their child, is also a professor. Um, and finding out later there is my grandmother was a, was an instructor too was a teacher so i i finally figured out where that part of myself came from mm. um so that was very very again strange and awesome um so you know going through kind of her while, while i was going through the the stocking process i went through a lot of her family pictures there's um, 10 children in this family, in my bio family. Uh, 
there's five girls and five boys. So I knew it was one of the five boys, of course. Um, and then looking at their ages and everything, uh, I, we narrowed it down between two of them. Um, and I got to tell you the second, it was less than a heartbeat. When I saw the picture of my bio father, I knew who it was. It was, um, again, one of those strange, weird connections. And you just, you just know. I, I talked to my aunt and asked her to, to reach out to both of them. And she kindly did. And uh, it, was, it was kind of funny. She, was, she called one of her brothers and said, he's like, nope, it wasn't me. Um, I wasn't around at that time. I was, I was you know, out of state. Um, and she talked to two other of her brothers and they kind of said, no, nope, I don't remember anything about that. And, you know, she goes, okay, well, I'm going to ask this other brother, which they kind of don't get along with. And they said, oh, wait, one of them said, oh, wait, there was a girl. Um, so that ended up being my, my bio father. And she, she was, um, my aunt was a good mediary between the two of us and a diplomat and trying to get us to, to, uh, uh get together. Um, so yeah, it's, she, she, uh, talked to him and said that, that I wanted to meet him and he was luckily curious to, to meet me too. So, um, so I wrote a letter to him and I explained who I was. Uh, I sent it. I sent it uh, on a Monday, and I got a response on on a Wednesday. So, uh, luckily, again, luckily, he's he's only two hours away from me. So, you know, looking looking back at how I grew up, and you know, looking at every man down the street, it could one of those people could have been him. Yeah, he wrote back, or he called me, and said, "Yeah, he would like to to meet up." And so we we met, and everything was going great. Um, he was like, "Well, I, I don't know exactly if if you're my child, but let's do a paternity test." So I agreed to that. We went down to a lab, got swabbed, and he was like, um, "Okay." He he signed up for the. I asked to pay for it. And he said, no, he was going to pay for it. Um, and he's a very crafty guy. So he was very smart this way. Uh, so he paid, ended up paying for it. And he said, if, um, if, if it was negative, then, then I could pay for it. <laughs> so I was like, all right, whatever. Um, so, so he ended up getting the results. So every, everything was in his name. So he got uh, he got the email confirming it. He got paperwork confirming it. So um, he called me back up when he got the results and said, "Well, I guess guess you are my son. Um, the, the the test was positive, but it could be a false positive." Again, <laughs> uh, major eye roll. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, it was. Uh, I was like, okay, great. You know, this, this confirms it. I, I already known for, for a while that you, you are my father's, there's no question um, about this, but uh, things got a little weird after that. He, he just said, well, I haven't told my wife yet. Um, I haven't told my, I have three uh, half brothers. He hasn't told any, anybody of, you know, anybody in his family about this. So he goes, well, um, 
before we uh, go any further, he, he wants to to speak with his wife about it. And I was, I was like, that's fair. Go ahead. Fine. And that's where things kind of went south. So she just was not accepting of this. And she, in her mind, you know, he was the one and only um, person that she's ever been with. They were high school sweethearts. So she felt very be- betrayed. Um, and I understand that. So I, I called him back and said, well, he called me back and said, you know, this, um, my wife is, my wife is not handling this well. I was like, oh, okay. Um, is it okay if I, if we talk now, now and then he was like, sure, that's fine. So we would call each other or I would, I would have to call him every couple weeks he could only talk to me when he was out of the house. So he had to, he had to go drive in his truck and, and talk to me. Um, he had to keep you hidden. Oh yeah. So he still had to keep me hid- hidden. Um, so yeah, after we got the results back, I did ask him for a copy of the results. I was like, can, can I have, I don't have anything t- tangible that, shows my existence. I know even my birth certificate's weird. So um, he was like, nope, I, um, I called the lab. I've asked them to destroy all the files. Um, I just, I deleted the email. I don't know where it came from, you know, blah, 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 which was a huge, huge blow. And again, instant anger. So I was uh, um, very upset about that. And he just just shut it down. Um, so I was like, okay, this is this is a little strange, a little weird. So I um, ended up calling the lab, and I was like, okay, this is what happened. He's withholding the the information from me about this. I I know I did not pay for this information, but I was a participant. Um, what are my rights there? So they they said absolutely. You, we can send you the results. So I, I have it confirmed that it was ninety nine point nine percent positive. And I was you know, um, so that was that was an amazing document to to get a hold of. Mm-hmm. You have this piece of paper. You have this email that says you have ninety nine point nine percent paternity positive but at the same time he's just told you um i'm deleting this i'm deleting this email i'm having the lab delete it that's that's got to be so conflicting to have this uh, result positive result at the same time you're getting this rejection from him yeah it was very um conflicting he did agree to to meet me one more time and I just said, I have some questions for you. I, I want to do this in person. Could you please, you know, meet me halfway and we can we can talk about this. So he uh, agree- he talked to his wife. His wife is not, again not not happy about this. Um, I fully believe that she was in the same parking lot <laughs> that we were uh, oh. that we were in, um, but we did end up meeting uh, in in a uh, Hardy's parking lot. Um, I, I actually went into the, the place and sat down and thought he was going to come in, but you know, he called me up and said, um, no, I'm in my truck. Come out, come out and meet me in my truck. So we, we talked, um, 
and when mm-hmm. we joked a little bit and, and again there was a connection there and we uh it was it was pretty good it was going well and i thought things were going to change um i asked him what his version of the story was that my mom gave me this the story and he's like no that never happened he said that um there he lived in a house with a bunch of other guys and he was working in town for construction and my mom showed up one day and she was a whore and she slept with everybody in the house and that he had his underwear the entire time when she jumped on him and uh you know that's why he he doesn't believe that he had his underwear on the entire time uh there's no way that i could be a son so this is the the kind of bullshit story that he's telling his wife um to cover mm-hmm. his ass and uh, so he's he's he has to tell this to everybody um <laughs> that that he's he you know that it's a false positive and um oh that's yeah. unbelievable yeah it's it's very frustrating and you had to hear him talk about your mother that way. That would, oh, I mean, yeah. That would just, yeah. Ooh, he was, he was like, it, it would be different if I got a piece of ass out of it. Mm. Um, he said that? He said that. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So um, <laughs> that was, you don't want to hear that. Yeah. It was, uh, it was, it was kind of a, a weird thing. Yeah. My mom was 17. Um, and I know. You know, oh I, I've lived with my mother the entire time, and I know she she was she's not that person. She would not do that. Uh, having lived with her my entire life, I, I know that to be true. So, and she I, was in high school, right? Yeah, she was. She was. Yeah, seventeen years senior. old in high school. Yeah, senior in high school. Um, and it didn't go down like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's that was his story. So it was it was a total one eighty. Than than what I, um, than than my mom's story and my grandparents' story. So I I did when my grandparents were alive. I did ask them what their, if you know what their story was. This is after I talked to my mom about it, and she kind of broke down. Talked to my grandparents, and they said, "Oh yeah, um, he, we we don't know who this guy is, and she she could not remember who he is." And it was kind of a one night stand type of thing. Um, but he said they, they did say something odd that he came back when I was about three years old and he was, you know, my mom was already living with my, my dad who raised me. Um, and he came back to, to see if I was, you know, if my mom was there to talk to him and to, and to see me. Um, my, my grandfather was a very, grouchy old German. And he just, um, he looked him in the eye and said, she's already got a, the boy's already got a daddy, um, hit the bricks. So Mm. that was that. So he was, uh, that's, that was their story. Um, I believe that that did honestly happen. Um, no matter (laughs) what, they would have no reason to lie to me about that. So we we would occasionally speak, um, like I said, every every few weeks. He the last time um, that we during our regular scheduling scheduled meetings, he did say to me that he um, he was trying to work 
with his wife to be more accepting and that he wanted to give her some time. So he said, you know, don't contact me for a couple months, but they were, they were doing some, um, some traveling and stuff and, and it wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't work out. So, uh, decided to take the summer off of 2017 and just let things settle and see if his wife would come around. Um, I waited until August to call him back and nothing has gotten, no, nothing had gotten any better. Um, I think she just got more angry by that time. Um, but during that time, I was getting more connections to ancestry and, uh, you know, making more contacts and reaching out to more people, uh, which one of the times we talked, he asked me again uh, not to say anything to anybody and that I was going to be this secret still. I had to pump the brakes on that one and just said, uh, you know, that's fine. If, if you don't want to continue this relationship, that's cool. Um, that's your right, whatever. Uh, but that's not going to stop me from reaching out to people. So he, he was like, that's not what we want to hear. I said, that's what I'm telling you. So kind of had a, had a put my foot down on that one and just, uh, let him know that I was going to be reaching out to a lot of his family. Um, and I thought that I would just kind of, my, my game plan was kind of to, to reach out to his, his uh, brothers and sisters and try to work it from the outside and, and just let, you know, them start to talk about me and hopefully things would, would get better. And, and, uh, Little did I know that uh, family is very dispensable to to my uh, bio dad. So um, everyone that has spoken with me has been um, discommunicated. They he he will not speak to anybody that is in contact with me. So that's again, it's just his wife holds a lot of power, and I um, I, I don't like that, and I respect it at the same time. <laughs> It's it's kind of a it's kind of an awesome power to have, I guess you know. Yeah. But uh, at the same time, you know, it's like okay, lady, lighten up, you know. Um, and that's that's kind of the big thing for me. And and listening to people's NPE stories is you got to realize, you know, people put their parents up on this this pedestal, and once they get knocked down, there is this anger and this betrayal. Um, what I've come to learn is that people are humans and humans make mistakes and they screw up. Um, and you can't hold that against them forever. And, you know, it's, it's really hard to forgive, um, but you don't have to forget. So after that, I, I've reached out to a lot of his family. I've, I've tried to reach out to my, my three half brothers they um, are not allowed to speak with me, even though they're in their 40s and they're grown men. Um, so they, I think they've been threatened that they would be um, cut out of the will if, um, if they were to, to speak with me. So that's, again, just a very strange thing. And uh, None I'm of not, your brothers have ever, have ever contacted you back? No, no. Oh. I've, I've tried to reach out many different ways. 
Um, and I've, I've had my, the aunts that I have talked to and the uncles that I've talked to try to reach out to them. Um, and they just, they, they refuse to talk about it. Mm. So they, they said they, they, they can't talk about it. They're not allowed to talk about it. Mm. So, so sorry. Well, no, I mean, it's, it is what it is. Um, mm-hmm. I, I hate mm-hmm. that phrase, but you know, what, what do you do? Yeah. Um, so I can all, it's just a waiting game. So I'm just waiting for them to come around and hopefully one day they will. Mm-hmm. I, I, the door is always open. I'm not going to shut that door ever uh, or shut them out. If they want to shut me out, that's, that's on them. When's the last time you spoke with your birth father? Last time I spoke with my birth father was August of 2017. Oh, wow. So, okay. Yeah. When he said that we were, uh, this was not a go, he, he meant it. So, um, but during that time, I have met over half of his siblings, and uh, I have some wonderful cousins and some wonderful aunts. Um, we get together frequently. Um, and so that part is just... Really? It's, yeah, it's really strange. Um, I I feel like I found my tribe. Um, there's just some members that uh, don't accept me into, into their tribe. They're part of the tribe. So... Um, so it's, like half his siblings will you have a relationship with but but he doesn't talk to you no he won't talk to me he won't talk to them either oh oh gosh for talking yeah, so, to you yeah so like i said he uh family is dispensable to him so he doesn't uh you know it doesn't mean that much i guess mm. um yeah i've and the the other really cool thing other than you know making these connections with my aunts and cousins the other really interesting thing is i i have had some impact um about iowa's birth certificate um, laws so recently i've reached out to some representatives and some some senators in the state and there's been a bill on the table for 20 years to allow adult adoptees to gain access to their records and have those, those records not be sealed by the court. Um, so just last week, uh, the Senate agreed to uh, allow that law. It passed 90, 92 to 92 to 9, or 92, 92 to 8, <laughs> rather. Um, Are you part of the right to know advocacy the oh was that yeah, what that's yeah absolutely oh congratulations mike i didn't realize oh yeah so um another weird thing is is you know being the uh, an instructor you meet a lot of people out of community college um and i i did mention kind of my situation in class to one of my students and little did i know that she was headed she was the head of the right to know movement here in Iowa. And, uh, we just, uh, had a relationship and, um, yeah, it just, the, we, we, we got to have some impact on this law. It's amazing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Back to the birth certificate, my original birth certificate, I still do not have a, a copy of it. Uh, the court did release my adoption records. Um, and it, I never knew if I was legitimately adopted or not. Um, 
I even asked my, you know, my dad and he was like, well, I showed up to a court one day and asked a judge if I could be your dad. And he said, yes. And I was like, that is not how this works. Um, do you have any paper <laughs> paperwork to back this up? And he's like, no, we don't, we don't have anything like that. Um, so I, you know, I never knew if I was really adopted or not. And it turned out that I was, I was I'm half adopted. Um, which is great. I, I felt, you know, through through everything, I am uh, very respectful of my father or my dad who who has raised me, and I, mm-hmm. I thank them. And with everything, finding out everything to this point, I think my our relationship has gotten a lot closer and a lot stronger, at least on my end. So I I don't know. I think they, they kind of bounce back and forth. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm still waiting to get my, my original birth certificate. Um, the other really interesting thing about that is the judge that sealed my birth certificate um, was a relation of my bio father. Hmm. So he was a Supreme Court judge in, in Iowa, and he, he was the one that actually sealed my records. So there's another mystery there that I think there's there's more to the story that I don't know yet. Will the right to know law will that get you your original birth certificate ever? Yes. So I think within the next year or two, things are going to open up for for adult adoptees to have access to their original birth certificate. Um, there are some stipulations though that they have written into the law that. Um, they will alert the the birth parent, the birth mother, um, if somebody is trying to contact them, and they have the right to um, say yes or no. Oh, so it, okay. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's not a perfect law, but it's yeah. a start. It's a start. It's a start. It's a yeah. start. Exactly. So through this process of my journey uh, and documenting every step along the way, my wife and I over the during lockdown um, last year, wrote a book about my experience. And uh, we, we spent three months writing it, and it was just it was very cathartic. And um, it's available on Amazon if anybody wishes to, to read it. I, it's great by me. So, What's it called again? The book is called I Had My Underwear On The Entire Time which is a direct quote from my, my bio father. Hmm. I'll make sure and put the link to that in the show notes. And is there a way people could contact you? Yes. If people want to reach out, I am uh, very happy to, to communicate with anybody that is in this situation or needs some, um, you know, it's somebody to talk to. Um, My email is, a pair of Blairs, so A P A I R O F B L A I R S at gmail.com. Got it. I'll put that link in as well. Michael, thank you so much for sharing today where you're at, all this information, and make sure and say thank you to. Amy as well for documenting this, not only writing it all down, but for talking to me about it today. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you, uh, Lily, for everything that you've you've done for for this cause. And um, 
all your support. It's, you're fantastic. Mm, thank you. These stories are here for us to identify with. If you are an NPE, would like to share your story, email npestories at gmail.com. You do not have to give any identifying information. If you are an NPE and would like to share your story, I'd like to hear from you. Subscribe to this podcast to hear more. Come heal with us.